preaching from the, uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, that's because the Bibles that I gave our, our graduates is the New Living Translations. And graduates, you can open that Bible if you want, but there's a piece of paper on the front that I ask you to wait until just a little bit later in the service. You'll understand why. But this morning I want to present a challenge from the Scriptures, from God's Word. And I love that when we come to God's Word, it does not... <laughs> It does not cease to challenge us. If you look in the, the book of Joshua, you'll remember that we were challenged along with Israel as Joshua would declare in chapter 24. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer to serve the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Graduates, you're going to get to determine that for yourselves, your families. Scripture goes on to challenge us. Not only do we have a choice of who we serve, but as, as the kings would prepare to to come into the land and, and rule. Last week we looked at Samuel. Today we're looking at kings. God actually had something for the kings. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, God gave them something long before they ever had an earthly king. Listen to the instruction. And, and young people, old people, in-between people, this is good instruction for us to heed and consider too. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 17. Instructions to the king. You are about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over, I love that God's like, you're going to do this, so when you do this, when you take it over and settle there, you may think, hmm, we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. Yeah, that happened, didn't it? If this happens, be sure to select a king, the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. The king must not build up large stables of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold for himself. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. 
He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way, he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. What amazing instruction. Consider God in your choices. Trust the Lord, not in what you have, but in him. And come to God's word regularly, daily, and let it guide you. Wouldn't it be amazing if when we graduated high school, the first thing we did was come to the scripture and copy God's instruction to us? Be quite fitting, wouldn't it? And then you just kept that with you. Graduates, you're given God's instructions. That's a lot to copy, but I encourage you to read it, memorize it, live by it. Sol Solomon, as he would prepare to, to become king, David in 1 Kings would give this instruction to him. I'm sure it's fitting for any father to give to his son or his daughter. But listen, as the time of David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. I like that. That's focus, isn't it? This is the end for all of us. We all go here. But, take courage. And be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Folks, that was three passages. And I don't know about you, but we could stop right there and be challenged by God's word in how you and I live how we go about our day-to-day -day life, how we pass that baton on to our young people. And today we are looking at, at the book of Kings. And similar to, to 1 Samuel, we have 1 and 2 Kings only because it was too big for one scroll. So they split it into two scrolls and they said, this is 1 Kings, read it first. This is 2 Kings, read it second. But this is one book, one instruction. But what instruction we've already received from God's word. First of all, choose to serve the Lord. And then we are challenged to daily be in God's word. Keep his decrees, his requirements, his instruction before us daily. And then follow his ways. 
See, the thing is, is as we look at kings, and we're going to look at a lot of generations, we're going to be looking at successes and failures. And they failed not because they didn't have the information, not because of of lack of knowledge. Rather, they failed for lack of obedience. This morning when you leave here, you will have a choice. You and I will have to make a choice daily. And they chose to disobey. They they failed for a lack of a desire to even care or follow God. They failed because rather than wise choices, they made foolish ones. The book of Samuel introduces the the idea and the concept of an anointed one to come, the Messiah. And as we looked at Samuel last week, we saw that this promised one is coming and will, will sit on the throne of David, will come from the line of David. And so as we look at at kings, we're seeing God's faithfulness. We're going to look and see how God is faithful to his promise and, and keeping that line of David, even in the midst of poor choices. And we'll look at a span of over 384 years. Today is a fitting message for you graduates. Today is a fitting message for those of us who have already graduated. It's a fitting message for the church today. Because as we sit here this morning, we observe generation, generation, and generation. And I love that we have some really young generation in the other room there even. But we're looking at generations, and each generation has both the opportunity and responsibility to make a choice. Graduates, each of you has a past, a family past. And I I know some of your families well, I know some of your families a little bit. You can look at aunts, uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents, and further back, your own parents. And you can look at their choices, but the reality you have to understand is today, the choice is yours. You have to decide. And when it's all said and done, how God views your choice is the only thing that will matter. Doesn't matter how your parents view your choice, your pastor, your friends, co-workers, how God views your choice is the only thing that matters. Let's look at the overview of of Kings. It's it's quite a lengthy book when you read it all in one week. It's fascinating to cover that kind of time, and a large chunk of the very beginning, the first 11 chapters of of 1 Kings is dedicated almost exclusively to Solomon. 
to Solomon and, and the building of the temple. The rest of the kings get very small segments, some only a verse. But we're introduced to this man, Solomon, the, the first king to take the throne after David. And Solomon, as he takes the throne, we're introduced and we, we see that, that story there where he's a young man and he's given the throne, he's given a nation that is united and, and God is blessing, the glory of God, God is in this kingdom. And he looks at this nation and he goes, God, I, I don't know how to do this. God says, Solomon, I will give you anything you ask for. Solomon says, I need wisdom to rule your people. Wisdom. God gives him wisdom. And from, from uh, Solomon, we get a great deal of our books of, of poetry and wisdom that we'll be looking at in a few weeks here. But as, as we look at that and we read those words of wisdom, in fact, the words that I read just earlier from Proverbs were from Solomon. But Solomon failed to take his own wisdom to read what God had given him. He failed to remember the scripture and, and instruction that God had given him back in Deuteronomy. The instruction that he was to read daily was neglected and Solomon took nearly a thousand wives and with them their gods. And his heart is pulled away from the Lord. You know how quickly the things of this world can pull at our heart when we deviate from God's word. It's all tempting. This will keep you anchored. Even the wisest man who ever lived ended foolishly because of it. With David wanting to build the temple, Solomon builds the temple. And God's blessing and glory is on Israel. But as sons would take the throne, they made choices. Chapter 12 speaks of a choice and, and foolish decisions. And the nation itself is divided. In 930 BC, we see Israel divided into two different kingdoms. In the northern kingdom, there would be, there would be ten tribes. That, that kingdom would be called Israel. In the southern kingdom, two tribes. And God would remain faithful even though those kings disobeyed God. He was faithful and he says, I'll let you rule one. So we see two tribes down in the southern kingdom and that kingdom is called Judah. What a tragedy. And we see that God to both kingdoms will send prophets. Men of God who would speak the word of God to these kingdoms, to the people. And, and still, we see throughout the book of Kings, both in the northern and the southern, a, a theme, a central theme of this book. 
We see disobedience to God's word. Once again, not for lack of having it, but knowing it and choosing to follow other gods, other desires. We see a disobedience, and because of disobedience, division occurs. First, we see the division occur among men. Brothers fighting brothers. Tribes that are split apart and a kingdom ripped in two. We see division between man and God. A nation that was following God. A people that worshiped God and celebrated Him is divided and ripped away because of their disobedience. They step away from God. And it's comfortable for them even. Mark this. Sin always separates us from God. And disobedience in all its forms, small and great, is sin. Think about that. Disobedience on any level is sin. And because of that, we see dispersion occur in the people of Israel. Both tribes eventually are dispersed. Consequences. Our sin has consequences. And we see that in the book of Kings. Israel is taken into captivity with the Assyrian Empire in 722 B.C. Judah holds out just a little bit longer as some of their kings are following God and, and God holds off on the consequences. But eventually in 606 B.C., we see the consequences catch up. And God warned them. When, when they consecrated the temple, God declared to the nation it, what would happen if they disobeyed. Look at with me in, in 1 Kings. God says this. 1 Kings 9 verse 4. As for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish. God's going to do a work if they do this. I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever, for I made this promise to your father David. One of your descendants will always sit on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants, you or your sons, abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot Israel from the land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though the temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and will gasp in horror. They will ask, why did the Lord do such a terrible thing to this land and this temple? Why? 
And the answer will be, because this people abandoned the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. Sin holds consequences. Nathan spoke about responsibility I appreciated that Friday night at the, the service there. But do you realize that, that different groups had responsibilities that they needed to, to live by? When, when you would look at the kings, we, we read that, that chapter 17 in Deuteronomy, and we would see that the kings, they were to worship God and God alone. Scripture says God is a jealous God. He, he is one. Yet the kings forgot that. They had a responsibility. They had a responsibility to rid the land of idolatry. Their responsibility was to get rid of those idols. Church, in our homes, we are to get rid of those things that take the place of our worship to God. Those things in our lives that take precedence over him, we need to get rid of. And the kings failed to do that. They have no place among you, God said. The kings were to trust in God and God alone. Yet we would see time and time again where the kings would desire for themselves to be built up, their armies to be built up, so they would place confidence in that. Oh, how we do the very same thing in a subtle way with our careers, our bank accounts, our retirement. And we go, oh, good, look what I have done. I don't need God. They were to be faithful to his commands. That's not a great deal of responsibility. It's simple, it's plain, but oh, how they deviated from it. We have the prophets that would come, and the prophets were not these fortune tellers where they go and they just tell the future. That was not their role. The prophets would come and they would speak on behalf of God. The very words that they would declare to the people and the kings would be the oracles of God, His Word. Oh, how wonderful it is that we today have God's Word written for us that we can read it, know it, memorize it, live by it. They were to call out idolatry. They were to call sin, sin. Oh, in America, we have been so good at calling sin by other names, haven't we? It is so much more comfortable to call it something else instead of sin. But the prophets were called to call it sin, and they were called to call the people to repent. They would come with a firm voice, a firm hand, but they were calling to repent. Come back. That repent is about face. You're going this way. Repent and come back. 
Oh, how God wanted his kings, his people, his nation to come back to him. These prophets would challenge the people to the scriptures. They'd say, remember what God wrote to you. Remember what he said. Remember his promises. I have, I have a, a graph. I want you to see this. It's, it's the kings and prophets. It's quite fascinating to me. I, I enjoy pictures because I can see things and stuff. I, it just, I like it. It's interesting, in the northern kingdom, all the red, by the way, are those kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. Twenty kings in the northern kingdom. And God would declare of their life, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Down in the southern kingdom of Judah, you see that there's still 20 kings there. And kings bounces back and forth between the rule of both the northern and southern tribes. We go back and forth with the prophets going and declaring their messages. The prophets you see here in green would go into captivity with Judah and declare God's truth to the people still. And down in, in Judah we see that out of the 20 there was at least 8 that did right in the eyes of the Lord. They were faithful. I appreciate that when we look at a graph like this, and there's a lot of red up there. And truth be told, if we were to take our lives and look at red, you know, there'd be a lot of days that probably has red. Where Pastor Jed did what was evil, what was sin in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, the days that I walk with him, and, and at the end of the day, God can say, you did what was right in my eyes. Thank you. Man, the prophets that came, they gave strong messages. I mean, consider the northern tribe. I mean, God sent some amazing prophets. The stories of Elijah and Elisha. I mean, Elijah is known as one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. I mean, he was the guy that got to go up to heaven in a flaming chariot. That's the way I want to go. I don't think I'll get to, but man, what a way to go. And Elijah, as, as Elijah's going up, he requests that God give him a double blessing of his spirit. We see that Elijah did seven miracles, but Elisha, 14. It is amazing how God used those men in that nation. And they spoke truth boldly. They did not waver from teaching and declaring God's word. Oh, what an example they were. But God was also faithful in bringing consequence. That's not comfortable to hear, is it? But consequences will come. And God sums up our lives in two ways. Graduates, take that piece of paper and open it up now. What some of you won't be able to see will be demonstrated on the screen here, and it looks similar to this. 
What's interesting is none of us know how many years we're going to live. Graduates, you don't know if you'll get tomorrow. I hope and pray you do. Because I look forward to seeing how God will work in and through you throughout your life. But your days will someday be summed up before the Lord like this. Pastor Jedediah lived, who knows how many years, and then he was buried. He did what was, and I have a choice. You have a choice. He or she did what was right or evil in the sight of the Lord. See, in the very end, it only matters what God thinks. We spend our days so much engrossed and focused on on what people think. And, And we fail to remember that what God thinks is most important. And you're given a choice I find it ironic that when we read the the words of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. That Solomon wrote that to his son. The very sons that would take the throne, the sons that would follow, would have those words. Yet only eight out of 20 heeded that instruction. I want to briefly look as an example before we close here at the life of Josiah. Josiah is an amazing, amazing young king. He takes the throne at eight years of age. Some of us, that would terrify us if a king was eight years old and ruling over us, would it not? And I venture to say at eight years old, he had a lot of influence from a lot of people that were a little bit older. But in chapter 22 of Josiah, it reads this way. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. You look at his father, his grandfather. They did not follow the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. This young man, God declares his life as being one that did what was right. Here's why. Because in the 18th year of his reign, he's about 26 years old. He's ruling, probably has less people telling him what to do at this point. He's a man, he's a king, he's on his own. And it says in verse 17, yeah, I think it's 17, right? No, 11. My bad, trying to see here. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. See, this young king had said, you know, I'm going to have the temple restored. It had gone into shambles. And they found the scroll, and they came and read it to the king. And when he heard it, he was in despair. 
Then he gave the orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahiakim, son of Japhon, Akbor, son of Micah, Staphon, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor. Go. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that, he has, that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We, we, he brings it on himself. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. Oh, what reflection this young man had as he was ruling. And he says, we haven't been doing what this book says. So he gathers the people. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Here's what a king should do. Along with the priest and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed with all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. What a leader! What a way to take responsibility of what you're to do and to come back to God's word. I, I love how the book of Kings ends. It's a kind of a weird way that it ends, but it ends with hope for Israel. It ends with hope for the king. It ends with hope for the promise of the Messiah. And it lets us know that there is always room for repentance. As you turn the page, just a couple pages over, the very last verses of this book record the king taken into captivity. He's been a prisoner facing the consequences of his sin, and God closes this book of Kings this way. In the 37th year of exile of the king Jehoiakim of Judah, evil monarch as rendered, sorry, ascended to the Babylonian throne, he was kind to Jeroboam and released him from prison on April 2nd of that year. He spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiakim with new clothes to replace his prison guard and allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So the king gave him regular food allowance as long as he lived. The king was brought back. He was given new clothes. There was a hope. 
The line of David was secure once again. God was keeping his promise. From the prison garb to royalty. And what a picture of what would happen when the son of David would come. He would die on the cross at Calvary. Three days later, rising again, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. And it says, all who place their faith in Jesus Christ will be able to exchange their prison clothes, their stained garments of sin for new ones washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. This weekend we celebrate Memorial Day, our freedom because of the the blood shed, the lives lost. The lives given for the freedom you and I have to worship, to declare Jesus Christ boldly this morning without fear. And Jesus himself extended mercy and grace to you and I as he died on that cross, as he shed his blood, he gave his life for our freedom from sin. He says, follow me. It came at a cost. And he says, I want you to follow my word. Do what I say. And as the prophets would cry out, repent, repent. You and I have the same opportunity. At any time, We can about face and turn to God and repent of our sin. What a wonderful thing that he's there waiting. Graduates, church. God offered it to his people. He's offering it to you and I as well. Hope. We're challenged with the opportunity to make a choice of whether or not we serve God. That's our responsibility. We are daily challenged to come to God's Word. That's our need. We need His Word in our life daily. And each of us given the responsibility, the opportunity of whether or not we choose. No one else can choose it for you. Oh, graduates, I would love to stand up here and make that choice for you. But you and I have to choose whether or not we will serve the Lord. And in the end, God's view of your life is the only thing that matters. Will he sum up your life as one who has trusted him and did what was right? We don't earn it. Oh, but we live it. Will it be one that is summed up by evil, rejecting him, saying, I can do this on my own? 
is extending himself to you. And the choice is yours. Graduates, my prayer for you is that you will live your life to bring God glory. Church, it is my prayer for you and I that we in our lives will bring God glory. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we have given so many examples in Scripture. Oh, I pray that we would, we would follow you. God, it's so simple. It's easy to understand. But God, it is hard to live out because there are so many desires that pull at us that tempt us, that draw us. God, may you have victory in our hearts and our lives. And God, once again, I just want to say thank you for these graduates. And Lord, as a church family, may we be faithful to bring them before your throne of grace regularly and faithfully. God, we love you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.